Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlowe, and today we are here at Microboard in Seymour. We're joined by the CEO, Nicole Russell. Welcome to the BizCast. Thank you. Good to be with you. We're so excited to be here. I, your facilities are just such a ray of light, really. Thank you. We are modern and high-tech and clean, and we always want to look that way. So why don't we start off just learning a little bit more about what Microboard does. Sure. Uh, so we've been in Connecticut proudly for 40 years, uh, founded in 1983 as an electronics repair shop. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, what that was then to what we are now. Um, now we are one of the most advanced electronics manufacturers in the country. So we're producing printed circuit board assemblies for the medical, military, industrial, and telecom sectors. Uh, we have 15 uh, core customers here. We're very selective on our customer list uh, based on credit, culture, and complexity. Those are three of our C's that we drive uh, every engagement to. And we have 150 employees here with 60,000 square feet. Wow. And it's to span across all of those industries, is it a big difference in, in projects? It is, yeah. When you look at the uh, industrial and telecom sector, um, those products are usually a little less complex, um, although supply chain has been complex for everybody now for two years. Um, and then when you talk about the medical rigor that's needed on medical life-saving defibrillators and other devices, and then the defense sector where uh, we're doing things like IED roadside jammers, uh, signals intelligence that's being used in war zones, night vision goggles, um, those are very, very intensely technical products. As you mentioned, this company's come a long way in 40 years. Your father started the company. He had a very specific mission. Tell us about that. He did. Uh, he was a consultant in Silicon Valley and uh, had a calling on a flight back after he'd been traveling on a red eye every week to California. And the calling was to one, service one of his clients by repairing Teddy Ruxpin toys uh, that he was actually working uh, to build, help build that business. Uh, and then it was also to help people around the world that were less fortunate, making less than a dollar a day with medical uh, water aid and education. Um, and he kind of set out uh, with a very small business down in Stratford, Connecticut, uh, wooden benches made by my grandfather, brought in these teddy bears, started electronically repairing them, and um, from there then was became known for as a repair center, repaired phones and other electronic devices. Um, all the time also starting that mission of giving back. Um, so at the end of every year, he would take what little profit he had left and give it away. And um, he had faith, had faith in God, and that you know that next year the business would come. And little by little, he grew it. Um, he became well known and respected for the repair business. And then some customers asked for new products and said, "Can you build us new printed circuit board assemblies?" And so he ventured into it. And 40 years later, uh, we built the communication system for the Pentagon uh, and, and a number of the other devices I just said. So it's been quite a 40-year journey. Yeah, definitely. And 40 years. It's, yes, it's a long time, but it's also a short period of time to make that transformation. It is. Well, and I grew up in the business. I have uh, two siblings. We're really close as a family. I'm the oldest. Uh, my dad's rule when we were growing up in the business is we had to work here in the summers. And in order for us to go do fun things, we had to work here first. And then we, uh, he wanted us to get a higher education and work someplace else for five to seven years to, uh, as he would term it, you know, really get our noses bloodied someplace else. And uh, so I did that. I went to GE Capital. I was uh, one of the youngest women vice presidents at GE Capital working in distressed debt. So I learned the finance and accounting side of business really well. 
which you know, I'm convinced you can run any business in the world if you know how to do the numbers. And, uh, and then I came back here after I had my first daughter, my first child, started kind of tipping my toe back in, had my second child, my son. Uh, my kids are 16 and 18 now. And I have a wonderful husband that's uh, supporting all of us through this. And um, came back and in 2009 became uh, president. And it's just been a, a journey since then, um, really growing the business. Now, growing up around this place, I'm sure it looks a little bit different than it does now, but tell me, were you intrigued or were you like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to come back? Well, you know, my dad did something interesting is he would always have us come to like family meetings. And when you're young, you don't quite understand that. You know, why am I sitting in this family meeting? What am I listening to? I don't understand electronics. And it was the best thing ever because although we didn't understand it, it was the nuggets were sinking in. Um, and then watching how he built the business, he always went after the most advanced technology equipment even before our customers knew they needed it. So when a customer walked through here, like a Nokia or an IBM, they were blown away of the suite of equipment we have here that their products and their future products would need for their manufacturing. So I watched him build the business that way. Um, I watched him think long and visionary on things. Um, and that's what we've continued to do. And it's why we can be select with 15 core customers. Wow, that's awesome. And you said you kind of came back into, into the space. Where did you start at that point? So I came back in leading our program management group, which is customer service. I really love, that's my love, is uh, listening to customers about growth opportunities, challenges, you know, not everything's always easy, solving them together. Um, and then I started looking at the ops side, really. I'd grown up in the ops side, so I really understood manufacturing. I also had the now background at GE in the finance and accounting, and I knew how to service customers. So um, in 2009, when he said, you know, you're ready to take the president's role, I, I felt pretty ready. Um, and then, you know, from there, I've just hired really great people. You know, I've just surrounded myself with the best engineers, the best customer service, really great marketing and sales team. Um, and it's, you know, it's been, it's not, it's not easy. You know, the product we build is hard. COVID was really difficult on many aspects. Um, we're coming out of that and it's new. The workforce has changed and things are different. Um, but you just keep going, you know, one day at a time. And, you know, when you talk about hiring really great people, the hiring world right now is very challenging. What kind of challenges have you experienced in that realm, or have you not? Yeah, no, we've definitely had our challenges. You know, during COVID, we had uh, some of our workforce exit that was going to retire eventually anyway, so they just re decided to retire early. Um, we had others that had to stay home with childcare. Um, and then we had some that were looking for different opportunities. So we did have some turnovers. Um, we have filled many of those positions. We do still have several key positions open. They're actually on our website. We're always recruiting for them, both locally and nationally. We have a national recruiter. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, it's, you know, it's a wage war in one sense. Um, and as a small business, we can't always compete on benefits and things that the larger companies offer. Um, so what we try to really compete on is the culture here. You know, family-owned business, um, some of the work we're doing with our humanitarian partners that people, more and more I'm seeing applicants that want to leave a legacy. Um, they're thinking about, hey, I'm not just coming to work every day. I want to actually be able to talk to my family about working for somewhere that um, we're leaving a legacy for the next generation. Um, so that's been a selling point, but it's still very difficult to uh, attract people. Uh, let's dive into that uh, humanitarian efforts. Your dad, from the very beginning, you know, like you said, set those funds aside, uh, or well, had the the rest of the earnings uh, given out. But how have you been able to continue that? And tell us what you're doing now. Sure. So uh, we watched this evolve from when I was really a teenager through now and wrestled with 
really where should we be in the world? There's so much need. I mean, there's need right here in our own towns, right? We, but we stayed committed to people that make less than a dollar a day. And when you look at a place like India, Jaipur, India, uh, that is the lowest of poverty. They make less than 30 cents a day as rag pickers. So we went in there, we partnered with a team that has a, a school. They started with 10 students. They're now up to 500. We're the only uh, funder of that school. We, they've been here with us visiting, and we're dreaming about 5,000 students. Um, and we've been funding them for about 10 years now, watching that grow. Um, it is its own little business model, and, uh, and it's becoming self-sustaining in a way. And that's one of our goals is our missions partners, and they become self-sustaining at some point. Um, we're also working in the Congo. It's one of the most hostile places in the world. We're providing communication through radios to bring peace. We're working in Northern Africa, where Boko Haram and some of the most hostile terrorists are, putting in water wells. Water brings peace. Peace, everyone needs water. Um, so we've seen some of the barriers break down um, across tribal areas uh, that people are able to communicate now, planting some churches, um, working in uh, the Philippines, uh, some of the remote areas down there, trying to bring in um, really the love of God. You know, how do we help people and then also at the same time give them the critical medical education and water that they need. Um, so it's a multi-prong approach. Um, so it's nine partners, but I have to tell you there's, you know, COVID was difficult, but I always look at COVID as what were the silver linings in COVID. And we used to fly one or two of our missions partners here once a year. When COVID hit, we said, well, let's just do a big Zoom. We'll put all nine of them together. Before you knew it, they were cross-sharing each other. You know, this one's sending a water rig from Northern Africa down to Southern Africa. This one's sharing fabric from India that they need in the Philippines. And it's been phenomenal to see this thing explode. So the cross-pollination and then the sustainment. Um, and there's one uh, interesting thing I lost. We lost uh, my dad two years ago and, and he, he was ready. You know, he wanted to go um, be called to heaven. And so we, um, we, we were sad, but we said, we're gonna um, honor him somehow and my mom's name is Sandy so uh, my mom loves animals and uh, so we started something called Sandy's Helpers in Nigeria and what it is it's uh, widows and orphans there that have um, really no mode of uh, making a living or um, sustaining themselves and we provided um, each of those widows with a goat a chicken and um, some uh, honeybees and they're they are actually self-sustaining now as they provide for their families whether it's milking the goat selling the milk making cheese um, so we're actually up to supporting um, a couple hundred widows just in the two years that my dad's passed wow. that. it really is like a whole so. another business it really is I mean you get I, I there's not enough hours in my day to run this and listen to all that good news you know I just try I try to fit it all in yeah and how do you think what impact I know you said uh, obviously on the employees but what do you think the greater impact is I mean a lot of big businesses small businesses try to give back in various ways that you they can but this is is another type of level yeah I think for us it's interesting because it's who we've been for 40 years it's not um, like a customer came in and said hey you need to do some social work you know and it is at the core of our culture here and um, when we look at that every dollar we send goes directly to the people. Um, it's not going to administrative, you know, so every dollar is getting where it needs to be. And then the fact that we really did want to set these up as mini sustaining missions that they could self-fund themselves, getting that school to 5,000 students in India, we will do that. Um, and we're going to do it, one, because we're smart business people, but two, um, we believe God's going to bless what we're doing and it's going to become self-funding as they draw in students that are looking for higher education and it's more 
valued in those communities there. Um, so we're doing everything to the same caliber in the missions field that we're doing here, the highest level of integrity and uh, quality. So. Um, so I think it's just different, and we own it. You know, we're not doing it through a Red Cross. We're not doing it through you know, Habitat for Humanity, which are great organizations. This is us direct with these folks, um, and it's really cool to sit and listen to them and listen to their um, challenges. You know, I, we've got some folks in our network that are being persecuted and you know, hunted in different areas for what they're doing because others don't like it, and these folks are putting their lives on the line, so we spend a lot of time really supporting them. And do you have a, a group of employees that work for Microboard that are kind of part of these efforts, or how does it, do employees like do both? How does that work? Sure. Um, so we have a gentleman here by the name of Lee Cancelon. He's been with us um, for a couple decades, as long as the business has been around, but he came full-time more onto our staff about 10 years ago, and he's going out to the missions field, bringing you know, our message from our employees. We've also right before COVID, tried to send a, an employee out there. We're gonna restart that again to uh, in Africa or an India location. Um, and then what we do here is every Tuesday at 105, and we have something called chapel, it's written into our uh, corporate kind of bylaws, and it's uh, something my dad started. Non-denominational, but people can come share if you're struggling with something in life, or maybe something's going really well and you wanna share. And what we'll do a lot of times is we'll highlight one of our partners at that meeting. And they may join us by Zoom. Um, actually, we had one here this week uh, who's in our building from India with his family, so he spoke yesterday to about 30 of our employees. Um, so that's how we pull the employees into it, and they love it. Uh, also, if you walk through our building, you'll see there's a lot of pictures. Um, sometimes customers come through and say, are you a humanitarian company or an electronics company? <laughs> yeah, so we're really proud of the partners and being out in the field with them. So we showcase it through galleries of pictures. Very interesting. It's Yeah, I've started to see them just walking around a little bit. Um, you know, how ingrained the two things are very different, but really connected on this one level. Yeah, very. it's very part of our ethos here every day. Yeah. Awesome. Now, back to kind of the the technology side, you know, I know the standards are very high. They're also ever-changing. Uh, technology is continuing to jump rapidly. Yeah. Uh, how do you stay up to date? What role does, you know, research development play? Sure. So um, each product that we build here goes through an in-depth uh, review at time of quote to make sure, first of all, it's a product we can build um, before we quote it. We have an engineering team that does that. And many times we're looking at product that is leading edge, bleeding edge, you know, and uh, components that are the smaller, smaller than the size of a grain of sand. Um, you know, you cannot see it. With it. Think about a pepper flake, you know, and where you can barely see it. So the first thing we have to do is make sure we have the technology here to place that, which we do. We can place it and we can robotically place it and we can inspect it because you can't see it with the naked eye. We can also test it on our test equipment. So we'll go through and um, watch the evolution of our customers' portfolios and, you know, over time, Many of the boards, print and circuit boards, have gotten smaller. You know, the density has gotten, and economically, that's better. Um, but it means it's more challenging for our processes out here. So what we'll have is we'll have uh, revisions of printed circuit board assemblies that you know may start as a large format, and then over a multi-year period, they change, they get smaller, they get new chips put on them. The chips are smarter. Um, a, a CPU, one of the central processing units, or a, a programmable de device that can be programmed uh, remotely will change the, the footprint on that board and that will be a new revision. So every time we do a, do a new revision of a product, it's R&D. 
Um, we're looking at what's changed on it. How do we have to change our processes? How do we have to change our chemistries? We run ovens here that allow the solder to become molten and then cure. Um, so all of that is a lot of R&D to make sure. We, we generate about 500,000 printed circuit boards a year through here. Um, and if we had more than 10 back as an RMA, that would be a lot. So what leaves here is good product. And it's because we do all that R&D up front we do qualification builds, we have a lot of inspection and robotic equipment built in, um, and we get good product to the field. Do you face any challenges trying to sustain that? You know, we don't see anything right now. There's nothing that's come to us that we can't build. Um, we did, I'll give you an example of a program um, about eight years ago, one of our customers was struggling with one of their printed circuit boards with a, a competitor of ours, um, and they approached us finally and said, hey listen, the competitor is unable to build these. Will you, Microboard, try? We looked at it and we said, this thing is, for lack of a better term, a monster. I mean, a really difficult product. And my engineers right away didn't say yes. Um, they said, let us review it. They spent about three months looking at special equipment. We ended up finding a special piece of equipment in Germany called a vapor phase that allows a board to be soaked in a special uh, fluid rather than go through a, a hot oven and that gives it a cure that's gentler on the soldering and uh, my engineers came and said it's three hundred thousand dollars we want to buy it and I said are you sure it's gonna work they said we think and we bought <laughs> it and uh, and that customer has subsequently for eight years now continued to award that board we also helped them get out of a, what was about a two-year backlog that they couldn't get the product to our warfighters um, so that's the kind of stuff where we're, we're careful, we're thorough, we make sure we can do it, and we haven't had any issues right now uh, that we've bought something and haven't been able to make it perform. That makes you guys stand out for sure. It does, and I think our customers trust us. They know when they give us a product. If we say no to something, it's either not the right fit for whatever reason. It might be too low complexity. You can't put a lot of low complexity into this shop where maybe those things should be in a lower cost area or even in a Mexico, and our customers know that. Um, so there's a sweet spot for us as far as the technology. Um, and then they also know that if we come across something, uh, sometimes printed circuit boards are extremely dense. They have many, many layers of copper and laminate. And we'll say to a customer sometimes, hey, we do not believe this is buildable in this format. We recommend you make changes to it. We don't own the design. Um, and then we'll work with one of our suppliers and then the customer will make the changes and then it makes it more producible here for us. Um, so we're very embedded in that process. So you mentioned life-saving products. Uh, obviously, the stuff that you're working on is very, very specific. Tell me about some of these products and um, you know, just the trust in getting things right. Sure. Uh, so one of the products we're really proud to partner with here is DefibTech. They're in Guilford, another Connecticut company, and we're making uh, thousands of defibrillators every month uh, for them. So we are seeing uh, live active saves of lives from that product, um, and we've been working on that for over 20 years. Uh, another product that we're um, actively building is for Alarm.com, and it's an indoor active shooter detection system. And I always say it's so unfortunate we need that, but we do. Um, and that is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, my two nephews were at Sandy Hook when the tragedy happened, and they're, they're okay. And I always say they're okay, but they're not okay, because it's been a lot on them uh, psychologically. So when they approached us um, to build that product about nine years ago, it was just a startup, and we had an emotional connection. Um, so that is being deployed now in schools, um, different government buildings, different places around the, the country I can't really speak to, um, uh -huh. but uh, it's a life-saving device. Um, we're also making many devices for the war zones. Uh, I just got a customer uh, call about two weeks ago that said, Nicole, I just got a call from the troops. I need this board by the last week of July. It's going right over into Ukraine. 
Um, I don't know what it does. You know, they're not telling me what it does. Um, I have a sense, but um, but that's these are real uh, things that are out in the field. Night vision goggles, um, the night vision goggle program. You can Google it, look at YouTube. Uh, it is so sophisticated that a, a warfighter does not have to pull a rifle to their actual eye. They can shoot through a goggle. Um, you know, to us it looks like a video game. To them, it's a life-saving um, couple of seconds. Um, we're making uh, that, that system here. Uh, so these are really important. So the, for the precision, the quality of them, uh, making sure they're getting, you know, life-saving defibrillators, shot detection systems, and things for our soldiers um, every day are being produced here. Yeah, that goes back to the quality that you you strive for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and in terms of, uh, you mentioned 40 years, you're celebrating, that's a, quite a milestone. Uh, you know, what What does that mean to you and, and what's the future hold? Sure. Uh, so one, we've started to bring the third generation into the business. Uh, I mentioned I have two kids, my brother has three and my sister has two. Um, so that generation's already kind of been here. They've been at a lot of our humanitarian meetings. Um, we actually did something really neat on the humanitarian side. We started what's called a Timothy team. So we're bringing up the next generation of our humanitarian partners while we're bringing up our next generation of leaders here. Um, in our family, and we're trying to marry them together, both business and humanitarian. Um, so we're really looking for this to be a multi-generation building. Um, in fact, the business is held uh, in, in a charitable trust uh, that, in a way that honors our parents. And if we were ever going to sell it, uh, the request was that all the money would go to charity. Um, so we don't ever plan to sell this business. Yeah, we feel really blessed. We feel blessed to have that third generation coming up and, and they're interning here and they're learning. They're learning the hard way. They're sweeping floors and doing things that they need to do as entry level. And then, um, you know, for us, we're going to continue to pour our time into the best technology, add a few select customers. Um, we're going to continue to support, you know, the humanitarian partners. And our goal is, in, you know, 40 years from now, we're celebrating that, that 80th, um, and uh, I, you know, I probably won't be here, but that third and fourth generation will be here. So, Yeah, and still doing your dad proud. Absolutely, yeah, uh, and my mom. My mom is a big piece of it, too, and she's still with us. Yeah. So, uh, so she's been in the building every Tuesday, running around, talking to people, and it's, it's fun. You know, she's yeah. the chairwoman now, and it's great to see her. And your other siblings, what role do they play? Uh, so they're both on our board, um, but my brother's a very successful attorney and here in Connecticut um, with multiple sites with his law firm. And my sister lives in Portsmouth, New Hampshire now and is a stay-at-home mom. She was a Christian counselor for a while and came in and out of this business, but she's doing the mom thing right now. But we're all active as a family, um, seeing each other quite often for both business and personal. Wow. So, you know, learning about between the humanitarian side of what you do, the technological side, um, and really how you got here um, through this family business, what do you think that you've learned along the way? I mean, you're really juggling two businesses, um, you know, and finding ways to put them together. Yeah. Um, I have like a fun mantra that I call it triple F, which my family thinks triple F means forced family fun on uh, vacation. We have that as well. <laughs> but for me, it's faith, family, and friends. Um, and I just, my faith is my rock. Um, you know, so when I, it feels overwhelming and whew, there's a lot coming in, it's like, all right, God, you only give us as much as we can handle. You know, so what door am I opening and closing, right? Um, my family's been amazing. Um, couldn't do it. Like I said, my, my husband's been staying home with our kids for the last 12 years. Um, he was at GE as well and uh, decided to stay home. So that's been a rock in our family. And then I've got a great network of employees and my employees are really family and friends. Um, so, you know, that keeps me really centered, th those three. Um, but I think the other thing is we like to have fun. 
you know, we come to work every day, it's hard. These are long days, we're very fast paced. Um, we are not an OEM here. As a contract manufacturer, our customers, I just got a call from a customer yesterday that said, hey, good news, we're about to send you in a three and a half million dollar PO. I said, thank you. And they said, we want it in September. I said, oh, September 24, no problem. She said, no, this September. The lead times on components are 48 to 50 weeks, you know? And so she laughed and I said, you're not gonna get it in September, but that's what we're facing every day. Customers need the trajectory for electronics is just nonstop. So they need this product fast. We are running at a fast pace here, trying to fulfill that. Um, so it can be, um, if you're not careful, if you don't keep yourself fully organized, um, you, you get run over and then, um, but have fun doing it. You know, and I really, we have special days here. We have, you know, sports day, bring your pet to the work day with pictures, um, you know, wear a fascinator for the derby. Um, I, I take part in all of it. You know, they're trying to get me in a dunk tank. I haven't agreed to do that yet. <laughs> um, you know, we're throwing great 40th galas with Chris Bishop and his team, you know, leading that for us. And you just have to, you have to take a breath and a step back and slow down and say, are we enjoying what we're doing? Yeah, you know, and making sure the employees are feeling that. Yeah, and it all goes back to that purpose too. It does. Yeah. Which is how this company started. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate hearing your story about the work that you're doing here and overseas. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. And Connecticut's great. We love it here and um, you know, I'm the biggest supporter. I'm raising my family here and uh, it's a great workforce and we just need we need to draw more people into our workforce here. And uh, so I'm very bullish on where our company's going and I feel very blessed. So thank you. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for a future podcast. And for more episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.